1: Hello, and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I am your host, Thomas Nagley, and with me tonight is Father William Jenkins from the Society of St. Pius V and pastor of Immaculate Conception Church in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. Hello, Tom. Tonight we will continue to address our viewer uh, questions and topics that we received from the email address. And I want to start tonight, Father, with uh, a viewer who has a question about invincible ignorance. And they provide a quote here from Pope Pius IX, who said, it must likewise be held as certain that those who are affected by ignorance of the true religion, if it is invincible ignorance, are not subject to any guilt in this matter before the eyes of the Lord. Does this mean a person can be saved who has not been baptized?
0: Does this mean that a person can be saved who has not been baptized? Right. Okay. Well, there's there's not really a, a consequence there, but at first it might seem as though, you know, okay. the one would lead to the other, but they're really two separate issues here. Um, when Pope the IX says it is certain that one who has invincible ignorance would not be guilty for not embracing the true religion, right, um, he's simply saying, uh, you know, what the Church has always taught, that, that sin, <clears throat> especially mortal sin, requires uh, serious matter that, that is known and willed, right, mm-hmm. With full consent, right. you see? And so if he's saying that he, there is not knowledge um, of the sin, that one is actually doing something seriously wrong and staying out of the true religion, right, and rejecting the true religion, <clears throat> if one does not know that he is rejecting the true religion, <clears throat> then he's not held responsible because he can't consent to rejecting the true religion. Okay. <clears throat> now, I mean, with the circumstance that arrived, that one would one would reject the true religion without even knowing it. Well, if one, uh, for example, today, if someone growing up today believed that um, the Novus Ordo, the new order with uh, all of its atrocities against the true faith, if one were to grow up actually believing that this is the Roman Catholic Church, that this is the true Catholic Church, and this this monstrosity of modernism speaks accurately for the true faith, and that represents the true faith. Then one would certainly uh, um, not know what the true faith was. Mm-hmm. One, would, one would would think that this this as I say this 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 impostor, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> this scandalous impostor of uh, modernism would be what the Catholic Church really is. And if they reject the Catholic Church because they reject that modernist construct, they would not really be rejecting the Catholic Church. In fact, they might be rejecting the modernist construct thinking that it is the Catholic Church, and they might be rejecting it because they actually uh, believe the Catholic faith. or at least elements of the Catholic faith, you know. Um, and that might lead them to to reject modernism mm-hmm. under the guise of Catholicism. So, I mean, today we can see uh, that a person could be invincibly ignorant because of the confusion of the times. So. Sure. <clears throat> um, there were times in the past history of the Church where... Um, Popes, false popes were claiming the papacy, but the church did not label them antipopes and did not condemn those who followed false popes. Mm-hmm. during the Great Western Schism when uh, there was a division between Rome and Avignon, right? And then Pisa, okay. And suddenly there were three men claiming to be the popes, and they all had some kind of argument mm-hmm. in their favor, right? So that saints themselves were confused, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The saints who wound up, as it turns out, following the the wrong man, right, uh, were not anathematized. They were not accused of being uh, schismatics. Uh, They were canonized by the Catholic Church. There was Mm -hmm. invincible ignorance there. Mm -hmm. And even those men who claimed the papacy, falsely claimed the papacy, were not condemned as anti popes because the ignorance of the times. meant, you know, the Church in a very, very understanding way says, well, look, it was so confusing, people really uh, were in error. But it was an honest error. Okay? Um, And so the Church does not presume guilt, necessarily, in a a case like that. Um, So in our own day, I mean, there will be those in error. And we find people all the time, people who come back from the Novus Ordo, um, or who fell away from the church because of the episode, who come back to the traditional faith.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we don't anathematize these yeah. people, you know. Yeah. Uh, so we say, well, obviously, you were, you were taken in by the, by the chicanery of the modernists, but thanks be to God, by the grace of God, you have, uh, your prayers have been answered, your fidelity, your desire for the truth, um, the whole truth and nothing but the truth has, you might say, immunized you against modernism, even when it paraded itself as Catholicism. Uh And so you found your way back to the traditional faith again. So, I mean, yes, invincible ignorance is quite possible. Um, But the question is, if the question is, can someone who is not baptized be saved? Well, let's let's, uh, explain that for a minute. Just because somebody might uh reject what he thinks is the Catholic faith, but is not. Okay? Mm-hmm. Let's say the reasons he rejects the the imposter are the very reasons why the Catholic faith itself, you know, rejects the imposter and is at odds with the imposter. You know? So the person might be motivated by actually what is genuinely a Catholic belief and not even mm-hmm. know it. See the question there would be Does that mean that person is innocent of all other sin? That there is no other serious sin involved in that person's life? You know, I mean, if someone um, rejects a uh, something an error, right, thinking that that is Catholicism because that's what he's told, and Catholicism is terribly misrepresented and by the way, it doesn't just have to be the modernist today, mm-hmm. it could be his own Protestant minister a hundred years ago who's saying, this is what those Catholics believe, this is what those Catholic believes. Mm-hmm. Catholics believe and this is what the, the poor man in the pew in the Protestant church believes is true, mm-hmm. This is he thinks this is what the Catholic church teaches, it doesn't but he's really convinced it does, because he believes what the minister is saying, and the minister wouldn't deceive him mm-hmm. so um, he might be rejecting what is not really the Catholic faith, but is merely a caricature of the Catholic faith. But the fact that he may not be guilty of rejecting the true faith because of his invincible ignorance does not absolve him of all other sin. It doesn't make him perfect in all other ways. Mm -hmm. He can still be an adulterer. He can still be a thief, right? He can still be a perjurer. He He could... be guilty of many other things. So it doesn't mean he's necessarily in the state of grace, you know, just because he's not guilty through invincible ignorance. He's not guilty of committing a mortal sin or rejecting mm-hmm. a of rejecting the true faith. You understand what I mean? Sure. He can be guilty of sins against hope, he can mm-hmm. be guilty of sins against charity, and still be in the state of mortal sin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um, let's, let's get that straight. Mm-hmm. Okay, he might not be guilty of that one thing. But the other thing is this. When you talk about somebody who's not baptized being saved, now you're talking about uh, basically the the issue of Father Fini and Finiism and all the rest, you know. That's a a different question. Mm -hmm. Um, And we we can talk about that for quite some time. I would just Mm -hmm. say this, though. That uh, it is a fact, regardless of what certain ignorant people continue to insist wrongly, Mm -hmm. uh, that... Um, there is such a thing recognized by the Catholic Church as baptism of desire and baptism of blood. Mm -hmm. There is this traditional recognition of these things. Mm -hmm. And but that that simply means this. These are not sacraments, okay? But they recognize that God is not restrained. When he institutes the sacraments, he assures us that the graces... Uh, will be given through the sacraments. He guarantees that the graces are given through the sacraments. Even one who goes up to receive Holy Communion, and if he's in the state of mortal sin, the graces are offered, but they cannot be received Mm -hmm. because of the sacrilege of the mortal sin in one's soul and receiving. (coughs) One does receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ in the host. Mm -hmm. Even if he receives in the state of mortal sin, but the graces... Cannot be. he cannot receive them, okay. right? So the sacraments guarantee that the graces of God are offered, okay? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean God cannot give any grace except for the sacraments. God did not limit himself in his power, meaning that he can give the graces where he sees fit and in the way he sees fit, okay? <clears throat> so, um, again, you know, we, we know that one who has the virtues of faith and hope and charity, the supernatural virtues of faith, hope and charity, must be in the state of God's grace. Okay? Mm-hmm. St. Saint, uh, Saint Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I mean, I lays it all out there. Catholic morality on the subject and, and understanding of these supernatural virtues. And uh, God can offer the grace of faith to, to a person, anyone, right? And he can offer the efficacious grace of faith so the person overcomes all the obstacles and his passions and all the rest and embraces that offer of God's grace to have the grace of faith that doesn't mean he automatically knows all the answers in the catechism that means he truly believes mm. in God a God who uh, is our creator and uh, who you know creates us in his own image and likeness with a soul to know what is true love what is good and uh, and to uh, delight in what is beautiful like god that he believes that we are responsible for the choices we make that god rewards the good and punishes the wicked you know these basic answers that god not only um creates us but he also forgives us redeems us of our sins you know um you know the um the fact is that that person can have the grace of faith such that he wants to know the truth, and once he knows something is the truth revealed by God, he embraces it immediately. With no hesitation whatsoever. That's what he wants. That's what he craves. And uh, so, God can offer the grace also to that person of the grace of, well, the grace of hope, the supernatural virtue of hope. And again, the person can accept that and have the supernatural virtue of hope. And God can offer the grace of charity to love God with all his heart and soul. Perfect love for God. To love Him with His heart and soul and mind and strength. God can offer that grace and the person can accept it. If God so chooses, mm-hmm. He can give the efficacious graces to have those riches. And that person is in the state of grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost by definition,
2: you
0: know, <clears throat> sanctifying grace. Um, and so, um, now, God does not need baptism to make that happen, He does not need water to make that happen. Okay, the reason why um, it's called baptism of desire is because God can give the grace that comes through baptism and he can do it without the actual water of baptism okay there are those who interpret or misinterpret passages of the Council of the Trent to try to argue that no that is not possible Right, okay? <coughs> but uh for example, when they talk about faith uh, in the Council of Le Trent, there are those who misinterpret the passage of faith to, to say that the, the baptism itself is, 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 there can be no the, one can be justified only by baptism itself. But actually, the passage reads that one can be cannot be justified without faith. But mm-hmm. faith is the beginning you know, of that. Yeah. Um, so, the supernatural virtue of faith, once again, is what I'm saying here, okay? So, uh, when you're when someone asks, well, is it possible for one to be saved without the sacrament of baptism? Okay? Uh, the Church has taught, the Council of Trent itself has taught, that one must have the desire for the sacrament of baptism.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And in the Catechism of the Council of Trent, it's also made very, very clear in the question of the baptism of adults, right? <clears throat> that if a catechumen who is expressed his wish to be baptized, has the intention to receive the sacrament. So there he has it in desire, that if he dies, (coughs) for no fault of his own, not having actually been baptized, the Church actually says that the Church believes that that desire for the sacrament and his repentance for his sin Will avail him unto grace, justification and grace, sanctifying mm-hmm. grace.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, and that yes, he can be saved. That's exactly why the council says that we are anxious, the church wants to baptize babies as soon as possible, right. but does not baptize adults immediately mm-hmm. until they've finished learning with the instruction of the faith. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that might be a period of six months. <clears throat> A year, two years, three years. The early church, it might be seven years or so that there actually is catechumens, mm-hmm. um, because that that desire for the sacrament, uh, um, in a way, uh, paves the way to the graces being given. Okay. So uh, again, I, I uh, you know, I'd, I'd like to kind of draw a connection between what the person is thinking. Mm-hmm. With the one statement and then the question that follows, mm-hmm. but I, I guess perhaps well, I better leave it at that. Right,
1: Father, and, and I don't want get, to get too into this because, um, like you said, it seems like it could just be an endless rabbit hole that we could go down. But well,
0: we've already done some right. programs, <laughs> programs on that very question. We now, have,
1: right? we have. But I, I like to ask Father, um, perhaps a simple, uh, a short answer would, would suffice to this question. But would it be correct to say that a soul cannot enter heaven without baptism? But then add the clarifying statement that there are three types of baptism baptism of water, desire, and blood. Would it be correct to say that?
0: It could be misleading.
1: Okay.
0: You give the impression that these are three of the same category of things. One okay. is a sacrament. Sure. Outward sign instituted by Christ, deed grace. Baptism of desire is not that. Mm-hmm. Baptism of blood is not that. Okay. So these two things are not sacraments. All the church is saying is that. <clears throat> If one has the desire for the sacrament,
1: that suffices, and
0: there has to be, there mm-hmm. has to be that desire for the sacrament
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, uh, to begin with. Okay, that's the baseline. Okay, and uh, that um, so it's not just anybody who has some vaguely nice thoughts about God, yeah. whoever that may be in his mm-hmm. mind. That's not enough. Okay, but if he has the desire for the sacrament. Mm-hmm. And he dies without receiving it, but he has the intention to do so, and he's preparing to do so, and he's actually making, you know, you I'd say, efficacious uh, steps, or practical steps to do so. So it's not just some vague thought, well, maybe someday I'll get baptized. <laughs> it's more than that, okay? okay? He has the actual operative desire <laughs> to be baptized. Uh-huh. Um, if he dies without the sacrament, uh, then the Church says, okay, the Catholic Church says, that she is not uh, does not have the urgency to baptize that soul until he 's had the full course of instruction in the faith and had time to really mature in it to decide whether he believes it to decide whether he 's going to live up to it, okay which may take a year or two you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> the church doesn 't see the urgency precisely because she says that if that person dies who uh, still with that desire and with that intention to be baptized. Uh, and through no failing of his own has not been baptized right mm-hmm. <clears throat> that God will give him the church has the confidence that God will give him uh both justification and sanctification, and save mm-hmm. his soul mm-hmm.
1: and father, just just to wrap up this this topic, um I thought getting back to this idea of invincible ignorance, um I believe there's an interesting. Anecdote that that might apply to what we're talking about here. I recently read that the uh, the popular entertainer Jimmy Fallon, I believe he was he was raised in the the 1960s around that time before the uh, before the changes. The Second Vatican Council took place, and I, I read an, an interview where he said um, apparently he was raised in a fairly traditional. He was raised Catholic, uh, fairly traditional. He. Uh, he, he cited a lot of fond memories of serving traditional masses and uh, and, and things like that, and really um, enjoyable experiences he had in uh, apparently traditional or somewhat traditional faith. But um, in later years of his life, he fell away from the faith, and then uh, he, he later on decided that he would like to, to come back since he had all these fond memories of the faith. But when he came back, he found it was completely different, completely changed, and so he rejected it. And so it seems that, uh, obviously, it's not up to us to, to, to judge someone's conscience and, and know if it's truly invincible ignorance, but it seems that uh, he actually wasn't rejecting the true the, the true Catholic faith. What he was, was rejecting was modernism, which is the absolute antithesis of Catholicism. So,
0: well, there's the case of the leader of the Communist Party in, uh, in Britain. Mm-hmm. Who actually left the Communist Party, converted to the traditional Catholic faith when mm-hmm. the church was still traditional. And then after Vatican two he left the faith. Yep. Because he said, Well, this is Catholicism, mm-hmm. this is not what I what I what uh-huh. I believe.
1: And one has to wonder how many how many cases there are like that, but I just like to say, Mr. Fallon, if you are watching this program, know that the traditional Catholic faith is alive and well and the Society of St. Pius V, and we'd be more than happy to welcome you into our fold. But I'd like to move on here, Father. Um, we have a question from, uh, from a viewer in, in the Montana area who asks about a priest, uh, one Father, Father Rodriguez, uh, who I believe is based in Texas, and this viewer writes in and says, um, since the Society of St. Pius V is at this time extremely short of priests, is a traditional minded priest like Father Rodriguez, someone that the society would ever seek out? We would love to have mass every Sunday, but due to the shortage of priests, our our, our, our priests are, are spread very thin. Is there any chance of bringing on traditional priests already ordained? And I'd just like to point out for our viewers, Father, that this um a bit of background on this this father Rodriguez it seems that uh, he was raised in the Nova Sordo ordained in the nova Sordo uh, afterwards he he uh, had a he, he discovered a desire to offer the indult or I guess he, he called it the traditional mass uh, and offer that exclusively so I believe he got into some sort of spat with his his bishop over this and uh, I believe as far as I understand the the, uh, the the argument is still kind of ongoing at this point but he was—he's uh, he, fully Novus Ordo, raised in the Novus Ordo, ordained in the Novus Ordo. I believe he has his own website, his own YouTube channel, where he he makes tr- um he, he posts traditionally sounding sermons and all that. And many traditionalists find them very attractive. So, would the Society of St. Pius V ever consider recruiting someone like Father Rodriguez?
0: <clears throat> well, recruiting him in the sense of going and talking to him and trying to negotiate him coming to join the. Society of St. Pius V, he'd still be very far away from the position of the Society of St. Pius V. He's still locked in the Nova Sura diocese he belongs to. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's still locked <clears throat> uh, basically under the, uh, in his mind, obedience to the modernist bishop of the yep. diocese. Yep. And the bishop has basically uh, suspended him, removed him from public functioning, I so. even saying the Nova Or, if he worked with the right? Nova So, And Father Rodriguez is going along with that. <clears throat> right. And he was ordained in the, with the new right of ordination, too, right. by bishops who were consecrated according to the new right of Episcopal consecration, and who also were ordained according to the new right of ordination. Mm-hmm. And so, again, you have the multiple layers of, of serious <clears throat> objective doubt about the validity of this. Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> and, you know, Father Rodriguez might come to the point where he realizes, after looking into it more deeply, that there is a serious, there are serious doubts about the validity of these sacraments as they are administered by the Novoservic clergy, right? So um, you know, if Father Rodriguez wanted to come with a size St. Pius V, he, uh, I think the very minimum I would I could say, you know, is that he would have to basically re, he'd have to he'd have to forget the Novosoric training. <coughs> He'd have to uh, re-enroll in the seminary. He'd have to actually have the traditional Catholic teaching of dogma and moral, moral morality, mm-hmm. right? moral principles. <clears throat> and he might say, "Well, so much of what I learned it coincides with the traditional. Not all of it, but much of it." But again, you you couldn't just say, "Well, let's let's find out where the problems are as we go along." Mm-hmm. You know, let's try it out and see how it works. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've heard of. Nova of ordained clergy helping out, actually ha- having been retrained in a crash program of a few months, right? Traditional, getting up in front of the congregations in a traditional church and saying, you know, there are too many children here. You're having too many children. You've got to stop that. You know? And uh, clearly something was missed, you know. Mm-hmm. You never know where it's going to come bubbling to the surface, right? So, I mean, they have to be thoroughly uh, deprogrammed from the Novus Ordo, thoroughly imbued with the traditional faith, and uh, they have to be uh, tradition. They have to-, they have to be truly ordained,
2: mm-hmm.
0: at least conditionally, at very least conditionally, by a true Catholic bishop who's been, or himself, ordained and consecrated, but in the traditional rite, you know. Mm -hmm. You can trace his orders back to the traditional, you know, traditional hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's a lot that would have to be done. But Father Rodriguez can't even see his way clear yet to break free from the modernist who is commanding him not to take care of souls, (laughs) even though he Mm -hmm. believes that this is what evidently his vocation Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand uh, that he is giving traditional, Catholic, uh, traditional sounding sermons. Right. And it, would, it appears that he has the traditional faith deep down, right? Mm-hmm. But again, we've heard others give very powerful, traditional sounding sermons. And then something happens, and they go off the beam. You know? um, they simply kind of... There were those who were following Father Karapi very closely for a while, Right. And then some trouble went on with the Nova Sorda when he went off the beam and went back to lay life, and I don't know what he's doing now. Um, but, you know, there was something not quite right there, right? Something amiss there. So um, we have here in the Cincinnati area, the tri state area, some clergy who were ordained in the Nova who have come down here and set up a little traditional chapel under the. Um, under the auspices of the, the, the Nova Ordo Bishop of Covington across the way there. And they sound very traditional about things, very traditional their judgments, you know. And uh, all of the externals seem very much in order, I understand. But the fact is that they are in collusion with the Nova Ordo. They are. They're in collusion with the Nova Ordo. And they are maintaining an absolute fraud that is perfectly right acceptable Catholic to practice the traditional Catholic faith within the Novo Zodo. Uh-huh. And you know what? That's not true. Uh-huh. You might as well argue, well, we can be traditional Catholics as long as the, the Lutheran bishop of this area lets us practice the traditional Catholic faith. Uh-huh. We can do this within the context of Lutheranism.
2: Uh-huh.
0: You know? uh, that's not true. Yes. It's simply unacceptable. If If the... <clears throat> If the National Church of China, under the Communist Party of China, <clears throat> opened up a special branch for traditional Catholics, none of us would join it. We don't say, you, you know, I don't care how traditional it looks, mm-hmm. the fact that it's under the auspices of, you know, the, the officially approved People's Republic of China mm-hmm. uh, Communist Party, we'd say we want you nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. You know? The modernists, it's it's no better. Mm-hmm. It's just no better
1: than that. Uh, um, Father, anyway. I, I would I would maintain that um, that characters like this Father Rodriguez, that they're actually more dangerous than than uh, than, than maybe just the out and out liberals in, in the in the new church. but um, well,
0: they, that doesn't mean that he's a bad person, right in the sense that he's deliberately setting out to waylay traditional Catholics and uh, lead them astray. I don't know that. Okay? Sure, <laughs> I mean, is it possible? It might be Satan's plan. I mm-hmm. believe, in any case, mm-hmm. to to get them off the track. Mm-hmm. But you know, he can use people who mean well. Mm-hmm. He obviously doesn't understand sure. the really the nature of modernism, yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and so he's still officially. Yeah. Officially a representative of the modernist construct, mm-hmm. he's just trying to say, "Well, I can be I practice traditional faith within within modernism," mm-hmm. and he's in error about that.
1: Right, but. Um as, as they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and it seems that the Father Rodriguez has, has good intentions, and it seems that he's on the right path. So, we'll, From what we'll, I hear, it. We'll, we'll pray for him. But it, it would be no no simple simple matter just to to, to simply transfer him over to the to the Society of Saint Pius the Faith and pretend like he's a traditional priest. But to um, to to use an expression that I believe you, you you've mentioned before, Father, um, I would say that that people like Father Rodriguez, these conservative novus ordo. Uh, clergy, they lend the veneer of Catholicism to mm-hmm. this to modernism, which is the antithesis of Catholicism. So I would maintain that that whether he he knows it or not, mm-hmm. people like him that are traditional, traditionally minded, but still members of the Novus Ordo Church, they're more dangerous.
0: Yes, I think so, and because they, they actually give credence to a lie. Mm-hmm. If one were to ask Father Rodriguez, look, are you part of that?
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know the diocese. Are you part of that whole construct of all of these changes? Do you accept that that is Catholicism? Is that the Catholic faith? Is that the practice of the Catholic religion? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Novus Ordo, with its Mass and its New Sacraments and all the rest. <clears throat> if he were to say, no, it's not, that's why I reject it. Okay, mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's why I want to practice only traditional. Mm-hmm. And say, But officially, you're still part of that. You yes. represent that. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is you want to stay within that a card carrying member of that right
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and you want to practice the traditional Catholic faith within that, but you don 't even recognize that as being truly the Catholic religion mm-hmm. so you 're saying basically uh, you know you can have one religion or one church
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you can have multiple religions mm-hmm. within that church, even if there 're just two, there are multiple religions. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what you're saying and how could he how could he not how could he deny that it's modernism.
1: how could he deny that
0: yeah it is it's exactly modernism and he's he's actually laying the groundwork for the whole modernist argument for ecumenism Yes, we can have one church with multiple religions <clears throat> mm-hmm. mutually contradictory, mm-hmm. but there's no problem with that. not only is he representing that he it sounds like he's trying to get people mm-hmm. into that. And no wonder the modernists are willing to accommodate that, yeah. Yeah. as they are with the, uh, with the uh, reverends whatever, across the river from us here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: No wonder the modernists are willing to accommodate that, because this is exactly the message of modernism that they're purveying out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, I, I would like to think that Father Rodriguez is of goodwill, but he's just very confused, and I hope that as he's seen his way clear now, Okay, to take the steps he has, I want him to see the rest of the story, acknowledge the rest of the truth, and uh, actually return fully to the tr- practice of the traditional faith. But this would involve a conditional ordination of the traditional rite also.
1: You can't mix truth and error, or you only get terror. You wind up with error. And you wind up with terror. Error and terror, like you said. Exactly. Father, let's move on to, a, to another Nova Sordo character here, namely Mother Teresa. One one of our viewers writes in and asks Is it true that Mother Teresa had a crisis of faith for many years, right up to her death, and wrote about it in a number of her letters?
0: As I understand it, yes, yes. Okay. But look at Francis. I mean, he's saying, Yes, you know, I yeah. have doubts. No much question God. Down. Exactly. You know, so this is the Novus Ordo. You know, to say yes, I have doubts and I have questions, and, uh, and Mother Teresa uh, talks about. You know, now there's a difference here between what Saint Teresa uh, of the Child Jesus went through, and many saints go through the dark night dark of, the, night of the, soul. the spirit, the dark night of the of the senses. You know, they go through the <clears throat> process, and uh, but here's the thing: that's not what we're talking about here. <clears throat> okay. When they go through the dark night of the spirit, okay, they, as far as their feelings go, as far as um, the lower faculties and so on, they really f- feel the absence of God, as though God is far, far away from them.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But their, <clears throat> the virtue of faith in their intelligence, their intellect, has to get stronger and stronger and stronger. So they do not doubt the existence of God, their faith goes stronger and stronger and stronger because it, it has to do without the supports of the emotions, feelings and all the rest. It's like a tree, you know, and you, you plant a sapling, you stake around it and you tie it so, you know, it doesn't get blown over by the wind because it's weak, right? The roots haven't sunk deep enough to give it a solid foundation in the soil but as the tree grows, you can take those supports away. <clears throat> and finally, the tree stands on its own against the, the most horrendous winds, you know, mm-hmm. in a cyclone, in a hurricane, whatever, because the tree is now capable, you know, standing and has a strength there. Well, <clears throat> as we grow in faith, you know, we, at the beginning, our faith needs a lot of support because it's weak, okay? But as we grow and grow and grow in our faith, the supports fall away, and we can stand against the the blasts of the of the of the gale, the, the you know the roaring gale wind, gale force winds. And so the great saints went through this dark night of the of the spirit, in which they were left to make like this act of pure faith in the existence of God, that He really is there, <clears throat> and. Uh, But from what it sounds like Mother Teresa is saying, it sounds like Mother Francis is saying, they have actually intellectual doubts, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not just a feeling of the absence of God which is overcome by the force of the supernatural virtue of faith and grace, that they actually um, not only had um, temptations against faith, but they actually um, well, there was actually a weakness—weakness weakness of faith. There, um, that is not good. Okay, this is not this is not healthy. <laughs> uh, it's not good that they say this to others too, because again, uh, if if they they may think, well, there are others who are going through this, and they will take comfort uh, from me, uh, from my experience, and they will keep on believing. But actually, I think that's very naive. I think what they're going to say is, look, even, even, you know, he, even he uh, doubts, even she doubts. And what this shows is that um, this whole matter of faith is built on sand, that it doesn't have a solid foundation, you know, that even those who are supposed to be most convinced and are there to convince others, that they, even they, are not really convinced themselves. You know what our Lord said to Peter? I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith may not fail, mm-hmm. that you being confirmed in your faith, the man who denied mm-hmm. our Lord, mm-hmm. <clears throat> may then turn and confirm others in their faith. You know? mm-hmm. That's not the way you confirm others in your faith.
1: Mm-hmm. And it seems that, that these kind of weak need responses, uh, such as Mother Teresa and now Francis, are giving, it seems that that's the natural result of, of uh, the modernist idea of reducing faith to nothing more than just feelings or an yeah. experience but yeah. you mentioned these, these great saints who go through the dark night of the spirit and one in particular was was Saint Therese, who yeah. uh, Saint Teresa of the child of Jesus and of the holy and of the holy face yeah. and uh, she she responded in a real Catholic manner during her last illness one of her last nights on earth uh, I, yeah. I believe I, I read that uh, one one night in particular she was uh, Tempted, had temptations against faith throughout the whole entire night. They, yeah. uh, it was apparently the hardest night she ever spent on earth. But she spent that entire night laying in bed, making acts of faith yeah. with a picture of the holy face yeah. at, at the foot of her bed, um, contemplating that yeah. the whole night. And that's how she she, she survived through that. She
0: never says she doubted.
1: Right, exactly. And it, and it, and it seems that this is she saw a, it as a temptation. Mm-hmm. Exactly, but it but it just it's it's amazing to compare and contrast the uh, just the strength. That the Saint Teresa manifested in dealing with this, and then compare that to these just weak and and, yeah. and just terribly scandalous um, uh, <clears throat> answers that you get from the modernists like Francis, who who just apparently they give the impression that this is a normal thing that everyone should <clears throat> should doubt their faith. That even the even who, the the man who's supposed to be the Pope, the Vicar of Christ on Earth, just it's it's no big deal. I I doubt the existence <clears throat> of God.
0: Well, no, you know we have to realize that. Then. Modernists speak of faith. They use the word, but they don't mean the same thing Entity that we different. do. Mm-hmm. They do not mean faith in the sense that the Catholic Church
1: yeah.
0: speaks of faith. They give two completely different definitions. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so deceitful, modernism. Because they use the same vocabulary. They're not talking about the same things. They even talk about God. They don't mean the same thing that we do. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, uh, yeah, for to have faith in the modernist sense, it is normal to doubt. Yeah. Um and, and I guess in the modernist sense it's even a virtue of doubt. <laughs>
1: right. Isn't that what Francis said? That that these moments of doubt, if if you don't experience them, then you're not growing in your faith. That's the only way to grow in your faith. It's just um absolutely the antithesis of Catholicism. Absolutely untrue. But uh father, we have another question here from a reviewer who asks about the consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Um They write in and say that I frequently hear that we should consecrate ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Is there a particular prayer for this? Uh, They list list several uh, several different prayers here, different consecrations to the Immaculate Heart. Um, One is a uh, Our Lady book by a certain priest. There's another one in a Blessed Be God, a complete Catholic prayer book. There's the Recolta prayers. There's Catholic prayers compiled by Thomas A. Nelson. There's the essential Mary handbook. Um, what what is the what is the proper consecration to the Immaculate Heart? Father?
0: Well, I, I don't know. If there is a proper one in the sense okay. that there is one designated as the official act of consecration,
1: right?
0: Okay. Um, <clears throat> the consecration, to my knowledge, can be made in, in many ways. Now, Pope St. Pius, I'm sorry, Pope Pius XII, the twelfth, Pius the twelfth, actually, <clears throat> did uh, issue prayers. Okay. During World War II, he consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary, mm-hmm. right? And there was a very beautiful prayer, prayer and it is in the uh, Octa Apostolicae Sedes, the official legal publication of the Catholic Church, right? Mm-hmm. And that prayer is part of a novena that we pray um, every uh, May and every October. Leading up to the 13th of each of those months. The, the, <clears throat> the 13th of May, the anniversary of the first appearance of Our Lady of Fatima to the children. October uh, 13th, the anniversary of the final appearance, right? Mm-hmm. In that series of six appearances, and that concluded with the miracle of the sun, right? Mm-hmm. So the, both those dates are preceded by a novena of prayer, and within those prayers, we have the the prayer that was offered by uh, Pope Pius XII, okay? Mm -hmm. It was broadcast uh, from the Vatican uh, first in 1942 uh, at the end of the year in union with the bishops of Portugal, and then also renewed on the feast of the Immaculate Conception December 8th on that same year. And early in 1943, Lucia commented on that, and said that it was not exactly what had been requested because it wasn't, well, the consecration by the Holy Father with in union with all the bishops of the world. Mm. Uh, it is a fact that the Holy Father did consecrate uh, the world to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1942, and the same Pope Pius XII consecrated Russia by name to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in 1952. Okay. But no Supreme Pontiff has ever consecrated the world or Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary in union with all of the bishops in the world. That has not yet happened. Okay? <clears throat> but uh, in any case, Lucia did comment on the 1942 consecration, <clears throat> And that was with the bishops of Portugal. And she said that it was very pleasing to God. And because of that, he would shorten the days of World War II. And if you read the book put up by Father Marcione... And one of the original works, uh, in in Lucia's own words, okay, it was actually put out in a tiny little booklet form, uh, called simply Mother of God, and was given out free by the millions, you know. And I've reprinted that, actually, uh, and have that available now in a larger form, a more easily readable form. But uh, it says in that book, you know, and it seems to be, it appears to be following upon the words of Lucia okay it's it's stating what she said and that now it is up to each one of us to consecrate ourselves to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and that we must pray in the words of the Holy Father she was referring to the words used by Pope Pius XII Mm -hmm. and that we must repeat those words uh, in union with the Holy Father consecrating ourselves our families our country uh, even our dioceses to the Immaculate Heart of Mary so um, this is, I guess, as close as I could think offhand to an official text of a prayer to make that consecration.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and we can easily put that up sure. you know, and make it visible yeah. or send copies to those who request it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, uh, I'd like to see the books, the Novena booklets. If they would be used, distributed everywhere, sure, and made available to everyone,
1: we can we can certainly make that happen. I'd like for you, Father, though, to comment on this prayer that, that this viewer writes in here. They say it's from one Father John O'Connor. No, uh, okay, the right?
0: Dominican. Well, there are two. Okay. There are actually two Father John O'Connors, and they're both Dominican. Right? Okay. And I think they're both they're both deceased. Well, maybe not. I know one is deceased. I don't know about the They've other. They put down
1: 1987 in here. Yeah, sure well, that they mean, will, but,
0: they're up in years.
1: But uh, could could you comment on this prayer, Father, that, that they that they have here? It, it reads as follows: the consecration to the Sacred Heart through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Okay. And it says, "My Queen, my Mother, I give myself entirely to you as a show of my devotion to you." I consecrate to your immaculate heart this day, my life and my eternity, all that I am, all that I do, and serving God, all that I have, especially the children and grandchildren, nephews and nieces committed to my care and other intentions. Wherefore, good mother, since we are your own, keep us and guard us as your property and possession, free from sin and harm. He then added divine praises and reparation for blasphemies against God and against his saints. Mm. How do you feel about that prayer?
0: It sounds perfectly Catholic to me. Okay. For, I mean, if I, I tried to follow carefully <laughs> enough, um, ordinarily, you know, a prayer like that could be used for private prayer. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, there is generally required though, an approval from an actual bishop of the Catholic, traditional bishop of the church. Okay. Um, so bishops would, let's say, in the past, have approved that prayer for their diocese. Mm-hmm. You know? But to have that publicly prayed in the church is a different matter. Okay. Ordinarily that would have to have some kind of official stamp from the higher hierarchy mm-hmm. of the church. Not, I could compose a prayer,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but I could not start leading the prayer that I compose
1: okay.
0: uh, in the church having the entire congregation join me. I would not have the authority to do
1: that. Father, what about the, the other prayer that, that we recite um, here at Immaculate Conception after our, our Sunday Mass every week? Mm-hmm. Um, which which is, O oh Mary, my queen and my mother, I give myself entirely to thee, and show my devotion to thee. I consecrate to thee this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, and my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, since I am thy own, keep me and guard me as thy property and possession. Amen. Is that prayer approved by the, by the church? As far as I know, yes. would that would Because that
0: although I have not seen the actual statement of that, uh-huh. but I, I have received that prayer from others. Who I I know are careful to make sure
2: mm-hmm.
0: that the prayers that they have in the collection of prayers that they say, for example, Thanksgiving after Mass, on, so, mm-hmm. do have the necessary authorization of the Church. So I make an act of confidence in them that that, that prayer is okay. duly approved. If you look at the Recolta, I think you would you'll I think you'll find that prayer there. Okay. And so the Recolta is the official prayer book of the Church. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I mean, I, I'm actually I'm glad you asked that question because it brings to mind. It would be good to look for that prayer in the Recolta. Okay. That doesn't mean that if there are prayers that are not uh, that are not in the Recolta, They are not approved. Okay. Because the prayers in the Recolta are not necessarily prayers approved by individual bishops okay. and, like Credal uh, M- Mundelein and Pierre, or you know. Um, bishop, you know, tr- mm-hmm. some traditional Catholic bishop in years past, mm-hmm. uh, there are still many prayers that are approved by them, you know, for recitation, because they're perfectly Catholic. Right. But a good place to start would be to look in the, uh, the recolta to see if the prayer is present there. Okay.
1: Would that particular act of consecration satisfy our Blessed Mother's request for uh, the individual Catholic to consecrate themselves? From the
0: sound of mm-hmm. it, yes. It okay. would be clearly clearly so. Okay. <clears throat> the prayers in the Reculta are indulgence prayers.
2: Right.
0: Uh, the prayers approved by, let's say, a local bishop wouldn't necessarily be indulgence prayers, so. mm-hmm. <clears>
2: though.
0: <throat> but that separates, that sets the, uh, the Reculta prayers apart, a class of their own. It would be interesting to see if that is an indulgence prayer there.
2: Okay.
0: Now, we also have a prayer of consecration that we pray here.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I introduce that as an act of consecration of our own, our own hearts to the Immaculate Heart of the Queen of Heaven. Right. Yeah? And uh, that says, We consecrate to thee our, our, um, our homes, our families, exactly. and our country. Okay. And we began praying that prayer in light of the elections over the last so many years, asking God to protect our homes, our families, but our entire country too. That has also been taken from an official prayer book of the Catholic Church. And it's approved officially, formally, mm-hmm. by the Catholic Church.
1: Okay. Well, Father, that seems like a good note to end on. Um, something, uh, a bit of practical advice that we could mm-hmm. all do is, is make, make one of those prayers a, a frequent uh, part of our, of our daily prayers. Well, in fact, we I
0: think in the book, the reprint of the book, uh, Mother of God, mm-hmm. giving Fatima in uh, Lucia's words, okay, I think we do have one of those prayers of consecration okay. printed there, okay. and um, if one would like to obtain that book, they can they can ask, right? mm-hmm. uh, they can contact you, mm-hmm. or you know the the uh, URL there, uh, that for, email address, or the email yeah. address, yeah. I should say, the yeah. email address here. Definitely. But uh, also, we, we'd happy to send them a copy of the act of consecration mm-hmm. that we use to the Immaculate Heart of Mary as well. All they'd have to do is request that.
1: Yep. We can certainly make that happen. We can post it on
0: the right. on the site there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Well, thanks for being here tonight, Father. Oh, I appreciate pleasure. it. Thank you. No problem. No problem. Always a pleasure. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our viewers for watching this episode of Catholics Believe, and please do continue to send in your, your questions and uh, any other uh, comments you would have. You can do that uh, via the email address or also our, our Facebook group. You can uh, check that out as well.